to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. There has never been a time in history when educators have felt such overwhelm, levels of stress, burnout, and exhaustion. I know you are working tirelessly to support your students and often forget or neglect to take care of yourself in the process, let alone your own children, possibly at home as well. Maybe you're listening today and you feel overwhelmed and on the brink of burnout. Well, I'm so glad you're here because I'm with Lisa Bayless and she's going to share with us mindfulness practices to awaken your well-being and resilience. Lisa is an instructor, counselor, facilitator, and a mother who's been sharing well-being strategies for the past 20 years. She has a master's degree in counseling psychology. She's a certified mindful self-compassion teacher and author of Self-Compassion for Educators, just published last summer. Lisa, welcome to Momnificent. I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your show. I'm really happy to be connecting. Me too, me too. So oh, first, tell our listeners where you're enjoying Momnificent from today. Oh, yeah. So I am joining in today from the Laguancan People's Territories, also known as the Squamalt and Songhees Nation um, of the Greater Victoria uh, area, which is in British Columbia, Canada. So way up northwest in the little island. Um, and on this beautiful day where spring is just about emerging, I am really grateful to be uh, able to live on these lands and so honored to be able to come to you from these lands today. Yes, I know. This is so special. Did you grow up in Canada? I did. Born and raised. I was grown up a little bit more northern British Columbia. So um, and moved down to the island to go to university and did some traveling and working overseas, but landed back here. And I've been here on the island, Vancouver Island now for, well, nearly 20 years, actually. So it's home now. And someday maybe I'll go up there and visit you. <laughs> I've never been Please. there. Yeah, I've never been there. So Lisa, what's one thing you've done recently that you haven't done for a while that just brings you joy? Oh, that's such a fun question. Um, well, and I think joy is one of those things that we need to just look for more in our lives on a regular basis and intentionally practice. Um, so one of the things that I did just two nights ago, I was making dinner, you know, as many of us as parents have to do, we come home and my, my, one of my kids was at soccer, the other one was home here. And I, and I was feeling a little weary on a Monday night after a long day of work and doing all the things. And so I turned up the tunes really loud. And I have a thing, I, I love kitchen dance parties. And so my daughter who is just 10 and a half, I brought her in and, and you know, I said, come on, we're making dinner and we are going to dance. And I was blasting old, you know, old tunes and she's just laughing at me. And so then she got out and we were grooving. And I just think even in those moments where, you know, we have to do things that maybe we don't want to do, we can find a moment of joy. And so that was my last moment of just like thoroughly enjoying the moments of making dinner, you know, having some good tunes on and having my daughter there with me. It made it so much more fun. 
Oh my gosh, I love that. My sister and I, my mom used to make us clean the dishes after after um, dinner at night, and my sister's two years older. And so, and I would have to sweep, like actually sweep the kitchen, and we would like sweep and dance with the broom. And it was like the only way I got through it. Like we just had a blast with it. It just reminded me of that. That's so fun. I love that. Well, when the pandemic first hit, one of the things that I was putting out to my community were kitchen dance parties, songs to dance to. And it was sort of like a weekly thing. How are we going to get, how are we going to bring the joy? How are we going to connect with it? Yeah. Um, And so, you know, many people who've been following me for a while know that that's one of my favorite things to do, especially when I'm feeling a little weary and a little tired. You find the right song and you get your groove on and it can just bring in a little bit more fun to, uh, you know, really tired moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a really good song just like totally re-energizes you and like you just have that really 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 super good feeling yeah and uh that's so fun i love that you shared that so lisa what what were you seeing and experiencing that led you to write your book oh oh well you know i think like many authors i had my book in my head for many many years and when i first started thinking around a lot of this work around mindfulness and self-compassion it was here in the province of british columbia i was actually um 2014 so like actually quite a long time ago we had a september when we were supposed to go back to school we stayed out on strike action we didn't go back and it was a really you know i don't know about like you but for most you know back to school is a new year right like you know, there's that feeling of, you know, new clothes, new year, like this is for educators, especially it's a fresh start. And, and, you know, September, end of August, whenever we go back, it's such a really good energizing feeling. Most of the time we're rested off the holidays. And it was in this year that we didn't go back and we stayed and we were like picketing on the side of the sidewalks for like almost two weeks. And then finally we were given uh, well, almost mandated back with a really poor deal. And I watched all my colleagues come back into my schools and there was this fe- like this feeling of defeat mm. and exhaustion and weary and, you know, just feeling so unsupported. And I, at the time I was like, what, like, what am I, what are we doing with this? And I was seeing kids in my counseling practice, they were really struggling. And I really started to see this correlation between when our educators were feeling you know, connected and happy and supported and valued and how it related to the kids. And it was such an important piece for me because it was actually as more of a mom that I was sort of watching this from. My own son was about to start kindergarten the next year. And I thought, how do I send my babes into a system? I've been working in the system for years. I know the system is hard. I know it's difficult, but how can I start creating momentum change where we put educator wellness, educator well-being at sort of the forefront of well-being and mental health in schools. And I've been sort of talking about it or standing on any rooftop I could speak at and just yelling it for years. And then as like many of us, we got stuck in a global pandemic and it was hard. And I started to see how necessary compassion was, how necessary it was to be careful and kind and supportive and present with ourselves and with our students. Um, And so I, I had created the outline and I knew just as the pandemic hit, this was a book that needed to be in the hands of educators. And when we see how how hard we're working, how many expectations are on us as educators and how weary, weary we are, we're long days and coming home and then also trying to live with our families and right. be oh. human yeah. beings, right? I, I just I felt like we needed to have some messages that would really support us as educators. I'm so glad you said that because even as, as a principal, um, there's so many things that you are managing and in charge of and responding to pre, pre-COVID, right? 
And yet it's that other thing of like, how are you taking care of staff? How are you building the staff culture? What are you doing to take care of staff? And it's like, it's almost like, I feel like it is almost a part-time job that as, as principals, sometimes you feel like you never have the time for it, but it's so important. It's so critical. And it's like, how do you balance all of this? Um, and fortunately, I have a secretary this year who really is all about the, the staff morale. And she helps me put insert just little fun things all the time to keep it on the forefront, because literally there's only so much attention you have every day to give to everything you're supposed to be doing. And so I really love that you shared that because there is such an importance to it. And I don't know that it is at the forefront like it should be. And maybe now it's starting to come out even more. Um, so I, I just, I, that's why I love, I love that you wrote this book. I started reading it. I love it already. Like I told you on the pre-call, like I, I bought it for my staff to read this summer. And uh, for those who might not have heard, have heard of your book yet um, and picked it up, what have people said about your book that has helped them? Hmm. Um. So the book is is written as a foundation of understanding mindfulness and self-compassion as a way of uh, creating sustainable well-being in our lives. And so um, it kind of goes through the why, the how, like why do we need to talk about this? How do we actually live it? How do we get out of our head and into actually experiencing what we're doing? Because like many educators, we're really good neck up. We spend a lot of time in our head. Um, but to actually, you know, feel into it, embody experiences, understand it is a whole full approach, right? Um, there's a Coast Salish word we, I was taught by one of the elders here called Natsamat, and Natsamat means a coming together. It means like not just being in our head or not just being in our heart, but aligning all parts of us. So and so, you know, the book was written so that we could help educators recognize www. that their whole, self, whole selves really need caring forward for. And so free video then there's a part around like, and what do we do? Today. And I have some seven C's and some practices and exercises. But what I've heard from educators is as they've picked it up and they started reading it is that um, it's easy and accessible. There was a lot of research. I mean, I'm no, my means the first person who's written about educator well-being but a lot of it's very content heavy it's very academic that the writing that's out there it's thick and i had some educator well-being books and i picked them up and i felt overwhelmed just by holding them and i wanted to write a book that when you picked it up it just like brought you happiness just to hold it and even in the first few pages there was lightness and yes. you didn't feel um, overwhelmed about having to care for yourself by reading something that was going to overwhelm you and so what i've heard is that it's accessible it's easy that there's stories and strategies that there's reflections that you don't have to take it all in it's chunked really well and it's a it's the way to um dive in slowly without feeling like you're having into the dump, like the deep end of the pool and that you're drowning. It's sort of like yeah. the nice life jacket that helps you walk through all of the struggles that you're, you're doing. So you're staying afloat amongst it all. Oh, I love this. And that is exactly how I felt when I read it. Like you just opened the book with a story that just puts you right in and you're like, oh my gosh, she's just like me. Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally, or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids, at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Like she's got stuff like she she had an argument with her husband like 
oh crap, so did I. <laughs> I guess even something simple as that just draws your way. You're like, okay, I can listen to her and I want to, and I want to hear what she has to say. So, um, can you teach us one practical way uh, right now that we could practice self-care that we could walk away with maybe after listening to this right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, and self-care is such a fine, self-care is such an individualized practice, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I often say too, is that a lot of educators feel overwhelmed that, you know, you're telling me to do one more thing. Self-care is one more thing. And I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that when self-care is done in a way of really caring for ourselves because we love ourselves, it's this like behavioral self-compassion. It's like the action of like caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we do this because, and we're doing it intentionally and purposeful, it's not one more thing. It's who we are, it's what we do. And so, um, and the other thing I just want to name is that often we feel like self-care is another thing to do. And then it says we're just doing it and it's not the fix to help a system that's really struggling. And so I often say that we, we practice caring for ourselves so that we can be well enough to be able to show up for the little people who we need to work for and be there for so that we have the capacity then to hold them and regulate with them because they're also struggling so that we are not constantly feeling like we're drowning in and all of the struggles that are amongst the system. And if we care for ourselves, then we have the ability to not feel like we're drowning so that we can start to make those little mini shifts in a huge education system that needs so many changes. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that you say, you know, I'm in it too. I know it that, you know, when you picked up the book, you felt like I was one of you because I am, I am a teacher. I was just, you know, in my school and I'm working with kids and working with colleagues. And so when we're looking at one strategy, there's not really something that's works for everybody. But I will say that one of the things that I love around the practices of mindfulness and self-compassion, mindfulness being the practice of just being aware a little bit more of what's happening in this moment. So getting out of being in the past, being in the future, but just sort of coming back to the now and being aware of what's going on around you and what's going on within you. And then self-compassion being the practice of like, and recognizing that it's hard and meeting it with some kindness, meeting it the way you might meet a dear friend. So the two questions that I often love to ask people are mindful and self-compassion questions, which are, what do I notice? And then what do I need? And, you know, if we can just come back to the opportunity to just pause long enough to ask ourselves those two questions, what am I noticing, right? How many times have we come home at the end of a school day and our shoulders are at our ears and we're like barking at our kids and we're like, I just need a glass of wine and a bag of chips. And I just like, I'm just agitated. And we're like, oh, I've had a tough day. Like we haven't even paused long enough to like catch our own breath and just slow everything down. So that question, what do I notice? Am I struggling? Has it been a tough day? Do you know, like what's happening? Am I feeling agitation? Am I feeling sadness? Am I feeling overwhelmed? All valid feelings in our world at this point. And then that second layer of question, like, and what do I need? That's where the self-care kind of comes in, right? What do I really, not like what's that quick fix need? It's like when I ask my heart that question, what is it that is going to really help me in this moment? Do I need to call a friend? Do I need to have a nice bubble bath? Do I need to go for a walk? I might want to lie on the couch and, you know, watch binge out on Netflix because that's kind of like the quick and easy I need to numb. But sometimes when we actually pause long enough to say, what do I notice? And then what do I need? We can attend to some of the heaviness that's going on within us. That is so awesome. Those yeah. are the practices really of, of mm, slowing like down that. and checking in. 
I love that. So I'm taking my notes here. So let me just make sure I wrote this down because I think I missed the end part. Um, so self-care, when it's done in a caring way, when we do it and it's intentional, it's not one more thing. It's what we are. Is that what you said? What did you say at the end there? Yeah, I think so. It's what it's who we are. It is it's who, who we, we are, are. Right. It's like it's the practice of caring for ourselves I love so that. that we can show up. Yes. Oh, that's so good. It's beyond one more thing. It's saying, I love myself. I love this one that I'm going to stop and pause and think what's going to be the best next best thing that I can do to care for myself. And we can even do this amongst a crazy day at school, right? Like yes. you can just before you walk into your classroom after recess and the kids are bouncing off the wall, we can pause and just take a deep breath and stop and say, okay, what do I notice? Who look at this classroom. It's a little bit crazy right now. What do I need? Maybe I need to just take one more deep breath before I take this next step. But we tend to go from A to B so quickly that these two questions are just beautiful reminders to pause and slow down a little bit so that we can just check in and know about doing the next best thing. It's it's acting with wisdom and, and care for ourselves and can be done anywhere at any time. So this is hysterical because today my educational diagnostician has been telling me that for the last couple of days she started this new thing where she shuts her door for five minutes and she does this, she just follows this little meditation on YouTube or something. And I know I need to do that, but do I just stop and do it? Like, no, because I just let other things take over, but we do have the power to stop and make that decision. And so I said to her, the next time you do it, tell me when you're doing it. I'm doing it with you. Like I'm just dropping everything and just forcing myself to do it because I know it's so good. And today for the first time, the ED, my psychologist and I like went into our office, closed the doors and I just sat quiet. I, I mean, I just sit quietly on my own for right now for five minutes. And, and my educational diagnostician was like, I am happier. Like I, I can do my work better. Like she, she it's like this done this like 180 for her. It, and I, and I can see it. it. It's amazing. So it could be even something that simple, like, you know, it, or you, you, you know, you've heard it, but really I, I just challenge you listening, like try it, give, give yourself that opportunity and, and watch and see. And I love how you say it's so individual because so many times we hear what people do and we just think, well, that's what it is. And it may or may not be what people are comfortable with or feel like they can do, or they've tried it and it didn't work. And then they feel like they're like a failure at it or whatever. But I love how you're saying, no, you know what? It's so personal. Like you find what works for you. And I think that's so beautiful. I love yeah, that. And, and it's that. a really important thing because a lot of what's happening with teacher wellness, especially through the US and Canada right now is like, well, we'll just throw a yoga class at you and then you're all taken care of. And for some people that's going to be like, awesome yoga in my school. I can't wait. And others are like, that's not my thing. Right. And, and then we have to recognize that then we're not bad people because that's not our thing. And it's not, it, you know, self-care is such an individualized practice of like, what is going to help me in this moment? And so I love that you've taken five minutes, but I also want to just remind listeners, two minutes are fine. One minute pausing, you know, there's a beautiful practice we, we teach called stop, which is like actually stop, take a big deep breath, observe what's going on and then proceed with wisdom. And sometimes it can happen within 30 seconds, right? Like it's just, it's, it's retraining your brain to say like, I'm not going to be in doing mode all the time. I'm going to stop and be a human being just for a moment. That is so it. And it is so easy to say that. And when you hear that, it's like, that's awesome. But no, like challenge yourself to really. And I think that's a good point you bring up. It, it It's not a habit yet, but the more you do it, 
like you said, it will become just who you are and it will feel like one more thing. Totally. So what is a practice or you might say, no, Karin, it's not like one practice, <laughs> but for lack of my, my, my question, what's one practice uh, a teacher or a parent can do with their child or their students in class or at home this week? Oh, totally. They are practices. Kids. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's a lifelong practice, right? So I think it's okay to say practice. It's just that it's not like, it's like, you know, your, your best NBA basketball players don't stop shooting hoops just because they've got a few, you know, they know how to do that really good free show, th free throw shot. You know, it's like they still practice and all of this caring for ourselves is an ongoing lifelong practice. For kids and with schools and students, like I love, my most important invitation would be model whatever you're learning, whatever you're doing, share that. So if you take a mindful pause in your class, say like, I'm learning this is helping me and tell kids why, because the only way they're gonna learn is through a modeled experience. So, you know, I'm a big believer in an educator just coming and be like, wow, I'm really noticing the energy in here is really big right now. I'm just gonna pause and I'm gonna put my hand on my heart for a second because I feel the warmth of my hands and I'm gonna take a big deep breath. If you all wanna join me, that would be great. Oh, okay. I just noticed, you know, my shoulders were really at my ears. I'm just going to drop them and together, maybe we can move on together to whatever we're doing next. Okay. And I think as educators, we try and we're, I mean, and teachers, and I get this, I'm a teacher. We are really good at telling and sharing and doing, but when we have to reciprocate this idea of like, and now I'm going to model, I'm going to remind it that I'm going to show you, not just teach you, but I'm going to show you how it's working for me. So, you know, my favorite practice with kids, and I do this with my own kids and, and my son, and sometimes it's just like, wow, I notice, like, I, here's what I notice, and let's pause and take a deep breath. And I have a son who's got ADHD, and he's very, very busy, especially the hyperactivity piece. And every once in a while, he'll just be coming in and buzzing, and he'll look at me, and I'll be like, ooh, bud, ooh. And he'll, like, look at me, and we'll just take a breath together. And then he just can see him settle a little bit. And then it goes on and keeps going. But we create these moments of pauses for our staff, for our teachers, for our students, for our own kids. It just gives them permission to recognize that we're sort of like disrupting the brain pathways that are always happening. We're just saying like, let's just pause. Mm -hmm. And as classroom teachers, we can do this all the time. Like we don't have to have any fancy magical, you know, items. We don't have to have whole scripts on mindfulness. We can just say like, wow, everybody, let's take a big deep breath. So good. So good. I love it. You're just inspiring me, like even on the morning announcements tomorrow, just to come in from Carline and just be like, hey, guys, you know what, Dr. J needs to take a minute. Why don't I invite you to join me to take a breath with me? Or to, let's just take three, because sometimes I ring a chime and I do three breaths like once in a blue moon. I don't do it as often as I used to. Um, I also just have to say, I love how you say I invite you. And I think that this is the most um, gracious, trauma-informed, beautiful lens we can offer any students is it's always an invitation, even for our own kids. You don't say you have to take a breath right now. When someone says that to me, I'm like, no, right? Don't tell me what to do. But when there's a beautiful invitation, it's like, I'm just noticing I invite you all to join me. Like, What a beautiful language in being able to have others share in our experience with us. And I love how you say relationships are the engine that drive connection and build resilience. Why is that so important and what often happens? Oh, 
well, we know that we all, you know, learn and work better in relation, right? Like we know that um, relation drives disconnection and relationship drives connection. So good. And so when we are able to come to any connection, whether it's with our students, with our partner, with our colleagues, from a place of being aware and present, we are more likely to drive a more positive relationship. We're able to put this in to a place of, of seeing and hearing and valuing another human being. And when we do that, we are able to, you know, really ground ourselves in what's important, which is our wellness. And when we take that time to practice from a place of mindfulness and compassion, we know that that is a, such a beautiful place of resilience. The other thing I'll say on that is that when we when we connect with other human beings, we come to this place of, you know, what we call common humanity, like you're just a human being, I'm just a human being. When we actually allow ourselves to be messy human beings, you know, like perfectly imperfect, we all of a sudden realize that we don't have to be, you know, having some of these perfectionist tendencies. We don't have to get so caught up in our critical thinking that we get to just be humans. And as humans, we make mistakes, we fail at things, we get things wrong. And then when we give ourselves that permission to be human, we recognize we can bounce, which is the idea of resilience. Like we're gonna get through hard things and we can do hard things. And this is the beautiful practices is we can do this in relation with each other. And it makes it so much easier to be able to create the culture in our schools, to create the community in our schools and to create our, like a shared idea of resilience and well-being. And then lastly, imagine if I had every individual in the state of Delaware on this call, every educator, every parent, every grandparent, guardian, you know, at every walk of life, listening right now, what's 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 one of the last things you would just want to encourage and leave us with? Oh, go slow. You know, I think it's probably the message I give myself and everyone. We tend to be so so fast and and so busy, and you know, we need to create a slow down education movement. We need to create slow down parenting. Like we just you know, we slow everything down, we get to see each other, this is where we build our relationships, you know, I have, I have words that I use every day, which are go slow, stay present, be kind, and just really trust yourself. And when we remind ourselves that all of those are the foundation for ourselves to care for ourselves this practice of caring deeply for ourselves, it allows us also to be able to show up for the other people that we're with. So go slow, my friends, please, it's okay to go slow. So beautiful. Oh, I just, I'm just hanging on every word. Thank you so much. And Lisa, how can someone find and follow you? Oh, please join me. Um, best places to just first connect through my website, lisabalos.com. You can find information about my book there. I'm on most social media channel, uh, channels and I love to share um, through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, um, and I'm sure we can link into those places. And so the other thing is I do send out a regular newsletter. If you want to get it to be a part of that, you can find it through my through my website. Um, I love to share practices and strategies for educators to really support themselves through through mindfulness, through self-compassion, through caring for themselves so that they can then be present for everybody else in their lives, including themselves. So please join me, stay, stay connected. I've got lots of great opportunities coming up for educators, especially um, coming this spring and ways to work with me and to work with um, some of the other ed educators I work with. So I'd love to hear from you all. Well, Lisa, it has truly been a gift, and I'm going to use that word very carefully. I don't say this lightly. It is a gift to talk with you today 
and share these few minutes together. You just have inspired me, and I know you've inspired and uplifted uh, the listeners who are hearing this. And uh, thanks for being you. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me and keep doing all the amazing work that you're doing. It was a, it was a gift to be here with you too. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry. Be happy.